If you're enjoying this Med Prep to Go Step 1 podcast, you can now get the content along with the content of the Crush Step 1 podcast ad-free in one bundle. Just go to medpreptogo.com and find our new subscription podcast called Med Prep to Go Step 1 Bundle. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Ted O'Connell with the Med Prep to Go podcast. Today, we'll be reviewing three pathology questions. Just a reminder that you can find these questions on our website at www.medpreptogo.com, along with many other questions. If you have feedback or would like to get involved contributing to this free online and audio question bank, please contact us through our website, or you can reach me at ted.medpreptogo at gmail.com. If you like what we're doing, please give us a review and tell your friends, as these both help us a lot. You can learn more about me and my books and projects at www.tedxoconnell.com. All right, let's get started with the first question. A 19-year-old woman presents to the clinic for a yearly physical examination. Her past medical history is unremarkable, and she does not take any medications. On physical examination, an S2 split is heard while auscultating over the pulmonic valve. The first sound in the split is louder than the second. The split persists on inspiration and expiration. The duration of the split is the same on both inspiration and expiration. Which of the following is the most likely cause of this patient's physical exam findings? A. Aortic stenosis. B. Atrial septal defect. C. Hypertrophic obstructive cardiomyopathy. D. Mitral regurgitation, or E, right bundle branch block? The correct answer is B, atrial septal defect. An atrial septal defect, or ASD, creates a path for blood to flow from the high pressure left atrium to, to the lower pressure right atrium. 
During expiration, the reduction in pressure in the right atrium allows more blood to flow through the ASD, causing a delay in the closure of the pulmonic valve and leading to a fixed splitting of the S2 heart sound. Answer choice A, aortic stenosis, is incorrect. Aortic stenosis would delay the closing of the aortic valve, causing a paradoxical split. In the vignette, auscultation of the pulmonic valve revealed that A2 was still before P2. Answer choice C, hypertrophic obstructive cardiomyopathy, is incorrect. Hypertrophic obstructive cardiomyopathy, or HOCAM, also would delay the closing of the aortic valve, causing a paradoxical split. In the vignette, auscultation of the pulmonic valve revealed that A2 was still before P2. Answer choice D, mitral regurgitation, is incorrect. Mitral regurgitation would cause a widened S2 split as a result of early closure of the aortic valve. In the vignette, auscultation revealed the same length of splitting on inspiration and expiration. Answer choice E, right bundle branch block, is incorrect. Right bundle branch block would cause a widened S2 split as a result of a delay in pulmonic valve closure. In the vignette, auscultation of the pulmonic, pulmonic valve revealed the same length of splitting on inspiration and expiration. The key learning point here is that a fixed splitting of the S2 heart sound is indicative of atrial septal defect. A 33-year-old man presents to the clinic with a complaint of fatigue and exertional chest pain for the last three weeks. He has been previously diagnosed with Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. He does not take any medications. Physical examination reveals a mid-systolic click and end-systolic murmur during cardiac auscultation. Which of the following is the most likely cause of this patient's cardiac examination findings? A. Aortic stenosis B. Mitral valve prolapse C. Tricuspid regurgitation D. Tricuspid stenosis or E. Ventricular septal defect The correct answer is B. Mitral valve prolapse. Mitral valve prolapse presents with a mid-systolic click with possible end-systolic murmur. The click originates from when the mitral valve prolapses back into the left atrium during systole. The murmur happens afterwards if there is regurgitant flow. Stenosis is incorrect. Aortic stenosis would cause a paradoxical split. Tricuspid regurgitation is incorrect. Tricuspid regurgitation allows a constant backflow of blood during systole and is described as a holosystolic or pansystolic murmur. Answer choice D, tricuspid stenosis, is incorrect. Tricuspid stenosis has a hallmark opening sound similar to mitral stenosis as the stenotic valve is eventually forced open. This is then followed by a rumbling murmur during diastole. Answer choice E, ventricular septal defect, allows a constant backflow of blood during systole and is described as a holosystolic or pansystolic murmur. The key learning point for this question. 
Mitral valve prolapse presents with a mid-systolic click with possible end-systolic murmur. The click originates from when the mitral valve prolapses back into the left atrium during systole. The murmur happens afterwards if there is regurgitant flow. A one-month-old boy is brought to the emergency department by his mother after she noticed that he had developed bluish skin and lips after a fit of crying. The patient was born at term without complications. He has been feeding, stooling, and urinating normally. On physical examination, a systolic ejection murmur is noted at the left upper sternal border and a holosystolic murmur at the left midsternal border. Tetralogy of Fallot is suspected. The patient is positioned with his knees to his chest and is given 100% oxygen while cardiology is consulted. Which of the following would not be expected to be found in the suspected underlying condition? A. Overriding aorta. B. Pulmonary regurgitation. C. Right ventricular hypertrophy. D. Right ventricular outflow tract obstruction. Or E. Ventricular septal defect. The correct answer is B. Pulmonary regurgitation. Tetralogy of Fallot includes four major features. Right ventricular outflow tract obstruction, malalignment ventricular septal defect, overriding aorta, and concentric right ventricular hypertrophy. Pulmonary stenosis is a frequent finding in Tetralogy of Fallot, but pulmonary regurgitation is not. In the vignette, the systolic ejection murmur at the left upper sternal border is due to pulmonic stenosis, and the holosystolic murmur at the left midsternal border is due to the ventricular septal defect. The physiologic consequences of tetralogy of flow depend mainly on the degree of right ventricular outflow obstruction. The ventricular septal defect typically is large and unrestrictive, so the pressure in the right ventricle reflects that of the left ventricle. If the resistance to blood flow across the obstructed right ventricular outflow tract is less than the resistance to flow through the aorta into the systemic circulation, blood shunts from the left ventricle and into the pulmonary bed. This is predominantly a left to right shunting, resulting in acyanosis. When the degree of right ventricular outflow tract obstruction increases, resistance to blood flow into the pulmonary bed increases. If the right ventricular outflow tract obstruction is significant enough to increase resistance, blood crosses the ventricular septal defect from right ventricle to left ventricle and exits through the aorta. This right-to-left shunt results in desaturated blood entering the systemic circulation resulting in cyanosis. Infants with mild to moderate right ventricular outflow tract obstruction and balanced pulmonary and systemic flow may be asymptomatic and acyanotic initially and present with hypercyanotic spells, also called TET spells, when the ventricular right ventricular outflow tract obstruction is abruptly increased, such as during a fit of crying. The key learning point for this question, 
Tetralogy of Fallot is a condition described by the simultaneous presence of ventricular septal defect, right ventricular hypertrophy, right ventricular outflow tract obstruction, and ventricular septal defect. Depending on the severity of this condition, presentation can range from cyanosis in the immediate newborn period to cyanosis with agitation or hypovolemia, also called TET spells, to gradually developing cyanosis to signs of heart failure one to two months after birth. And just a reminder that you can find all of these questions as well as many more at www.medpreptogo.com. But don't forget to check out our other episodes, which we are releasing regularly. And if you found this content interesting, please also check out the Crush Step 1 podcast.